1: Welcome back to the Dr. Light Show. My name is Josh here with Jim Price. Jim, how are you doing today?
2: Doing good, buddy. Doing good.
1: All right. Today is Wednesday. We're going to do an economic analysis. Jim will be back with us here in a little bit. First, we got Dr. Kirk Elliott. Kirk, it's interesting, man. Every month, I feel like there's this new holiday, Fed Decision Day. (laughs) And we're wondering what the Fed's going to say today. What are your thoughts, man?
0: Boy, it's... Right now, it's 50-50, because here's the Fed's dilemma. It's like, you're, you're seeing inflation, they're saying there's disinflation, they're saying that the prices are coming down, it's like, okay, they're right on housing, but is that a good thing? <laughs> right? It's like, yeah. oh my word, people's house, the house values are just falling to earth, like uh, 10 to 15% a month, it seems. In reduction in house prices so they're saying yeah we're winning this war on inflation but to me that's somebody's investment that'd be like me saying hey gosh <clears throat> we're winning the war on inflation look at how much the stock markets coming down it's like what it doesn't make any sense right so so it's it's messaging that's just absolutely flat-out wrong so when they're meeting today they've got when you look at actually the cost of things other than housing other than things that they that they're looking at and telling us that they're winning this war oil prices going through the roof i mean just last week oil hit ninety dollars a barrel for the first time and i don't even know how many years or decades i mean it's 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 astronomically expensive and everything in the world still uses oil right it's even mm-hmm. though they have this green agenda even though they want to have solar power and and batteries and EVs and all this stuff, right, that we still use petroleum in everything, even in EVs for the rubber in your tires or the plastic in your dashboards or you, you name it, right? So, so here's the problem is over the last year, Biden has sold off the strategic oil reserves that we have as a country. He's been using them so we don't have to actually buy at the higher priced oil which has caused inflation to come down. Well, now that strategic oil reserve is is basically zero. It's empty. And the BRICS nations know this. And what did the BRICS nations just do on August 22nd through 24th? Well, they met, and Putin made that announcement that they're going to de-dollarize the world. And how do you do that? By reducing demand for the U.S. dollar. How do you do that? Oh, Let's remove the petrodollar status, and we're going to add six of the nine largest oil-producing nations in the world into the BRICS nations. So now, or just over the last couple of weeks, OPEC decided we're going to cut production on oil. Well, when you cut production, that's less supply. It causes prices to go up. Oh, all at the same time that the America needs to actually buy more to replenish its strategic oil reserves that Biden was selling that's supposed to be used only for times of war, right? That's what the reserve is for. So they're sticking it to us, right? It's like this chess game. And, and the BRICS nations are playing this game of chess like President Trump would, you know, like seven moves ahead, very strategic, very smart about it, where, where Biden's not even playing chess. He's like checkers, and he's still losing at that, right? It's just, I don't understand the the horrible mismanagement and the bad decisions that are coming that are causing this true inflation numbers to go through the roof so with that here's my here's my prediction it's going to be probably um a mediocre toast response again from jerome powell at the fed while they're saying well let's maybe not hike this time let's put it on pause because we're winning the sworn inflation winner in reality they're absolutely not. So it's probably going to have rate hikes. If they, if they don't have one, or if they do have one, it's probably going to be small, maybe a quarter of a point. But I'm guessing if they don't, they just pause. And then mm-hmm. next month, the month after, the month after, they're going to have to start raising rates, again, pretty systematically, because the price of oil is going to cause prices to go up across the board on everything. And they have to fight that inflationary pressure with raising rates to try to slow that down. All right.
1: So moving into, well, because there's a lot of things happening here dynamically with the economy. We also have Congress, which is coming to a debt ceiling again at the end of this month. They have to pass a budget. So the government doesn't close down for the end of the year. Uh, We have money flowing out to Ukraine, like it's uh, grandpa's piggy bank. So, looking at this current situation, I I, I mean, I I was going over some numbers the other day. Uh, Quarter 2 GDP. This was a big celebration when it came out. Oh, my goodness, the GDP grew for the first time in years. They just revised those numbers in August, and it actually declined. Um, We had July's inflation, which they said went down. Revised in August actually went up. Uh, we have August inflation that came in a little above normal, but I'm, apparently they'll revise that, and that's going to go up. This inflationary process that we're seeing here is causing massive problems throughout our, our nation's economy. I look at it as we have three primary bubbles. We have the real estate bubble, we have the dollar bubble, and then we have the inflation bubble. And all of these things are increasing together. To eventually one's going to pop and the other ones will pop along with it. Most likely the, the real estate market, I think, will be probably the first one to go because we're seeing home prices on the decline, interest rates on the rise up, and mm-hmm. the amount of new mortgages on a massive decline. So going into wintertime, which is traditionally a very, very slow economic period, could we see this slowdown really kind of, remove any traction that we had, as well as energy prices go up. Another factor to put into here, Kirk, is that we've had severe weather throughout the United States all this year. We've had flooding throughout California, hurricanes hitting Florida. We've had uh, high, severe temperatures all throughout the Southern United States. This affects the crops in the harvest season. And then if you implement that globally, there's another problem there with all the other nations that produce have had very similar occurrences. So are, are we moving into a period the fall and the winter where we're going to see massive inflationary moves?
0: Yeah, because of the oil because of the oil pressures and here's where there's other things that happen in the fall. Every single year like clockwork, right? September is historically the worst month for the S&P 500. October historically is the worst month. Uh, of the year for the Dow Jones Industrial Average, so you're looking at those two, you know, indexes that are probably going to have some really bad days or bad periods, right? Maybe bad weeks, bad months. Um, at the same time, like what you just addressed, the government's running out of money. They're going to raise the debt ceiling again, and we have to ask ourselves: well, where are they going to get this money? Tax revenues are coming down. Income tax revenues are coming down because people aren't working and there's wage decline, not job creation. You've got property tax revenues coming down, like you just said. Real estate's hitting the skid. So when prices come down, so do property tax revenues. When people don't have money to spend, sales tax revenues come down. So so across the board, at the municipal level, state level, federal level, revenue streams for the government, regardless of the size, is are falling apart. They're just shrinking. And yet, so is the demand for the U.S. dollar globally with the elimination of the petrodollar. So here's where all of this coming up, and I think starting with the debt ceiling raise, they're going to have to probably print trillions of dollars right, to, to fund this, and we don't have it. We simply don't have it. So when you look at what inflation is, long answer to your short question, Inflation is not rising prices, Josh. That's a symptom of inflation. True inflation is simply an increase in the money supply because it takes more of that devalued currency to buy valuable goods and services. Therefore, the producers are going to require more of the junk currency, right? So inflation is truly just an increase in the money supply, which we're going to see. And then the price increases follow.
1: So did you see the spike in the two-year yield the other day? Yeah. How concerning is that? Because we had this massive drop in the two-year yield and then immediately spiked back up as if there was a Fed injection of billions, if not trillions of dollars into the system to sustain that. Um, We're moving into a point where economies are now weaponized, where foreign entities hold our debt and can crash our economy in an instant. Um, we know that the Federal Reserve is pumping trillions of dollars into the stock market just to sustain it and then taking yeah. short positions on the back end to earn back any any level of profitability from that. How, how much longer can that system sustain itself?
0: I don't think it can. I mean, we're seeing the weaponization of currencies has been an ongoing thing for a long time. I mean, Biden used the weaponization of the U.S. dollar supposedly for our benefit when he put tariffs and all these other export controls on, on Ukraine and Russia and during the Russia-Ukraine conflict said, well, we're just going to kick you out of the SWIFT system, right? All of that supposedly is effective when you're the world's reserve currency and people need the U.S. dollar to live on. But, but Ukraine and Russia, I mean, Russia just did not about-face and said, well, fine, we'll just go to China. We don't care what you say, right? And so they started their own banking system with the BRICS nations and everything else. So we've been using the dollar as a weapon against smaller countries to to get our way. But now it's flip-flopped. And now other countries that hold U.S. treasuries, like China, for example, um, still has almost a trillion dollars worth of U.S. treasuries, They dumped $100 billion of U.S. Treasuries on the open market last month. They just sold them. Well, that's massive downward pressure on U.S. Treasuries. Um, How do you entice people to invest in that then? You raise interest rates, right? You raise the yield. So this is where the bellwether of all safe bond investments globally should be the U.S. Treasury. We're American, and and we're big, and we've got a robust economy, right? And so that's why we've always had the lowest interest rates. The only reason interest rates rise is because your underlying investment isn't considered good anymore, and you have to raise rates to entice investment. Well, now that we've seen the yields rise, it's like, oof, we're no longer the safest asset in the world, right? There's other countries that have lower interest rate yields. This is a problem. The U.S. is losing its luster and losing its reserve currency status. How in the world could you remain the world's reserve currency if you don't even have the strongest credit score, right? I mean, it's just this is the world that we're entering into. And as Americans, we need to navigate through that and understand these things so we can be in the right place at the right time.
1: Absolutely. We'll be right back with more Dark Delight show right after this.
2: Dark Delight on the WYSL stations.
1: Alright, back to the Dr. Light Show, talking to Dr. Kirk Elliott of GetGoldToday.com. If you guys are looking to uh, diversify your portfolio, make yourself secure, hedge against inflation, this is the man to talk to. You can talk to him at 720 605 3900 or go to getgoldtoday.com and fill out the form as well as his number is on there. Kirk, Lynn Forrester De Rothschild. She came out last week. And admitted that ESG is a failure and that globalists must shift to this new agenda they're calling inclusive capitalism. Now, when I heard this, all I could think about is that we won the battle against ESG, that we're canceling all these companies that are going woke, (laughs) that... People are going to banks, and before they open up a bank account, they're asking if they comply with the ESG standardization. If the bank says yes, people are leaving. They don't want anything to do with it. But now what they're doing is this kind of stealthy approach of inclusive capitalism, which is nothing more than kind of quasi-fascism, if you want to look at it. public-private partnerships where government businesses are completely intertwined together in the decision-making process. What kind of effect... Is this going to have on the future of our economy moving forward with these types of policies coming down not from regulators but from private organizations think tanks and non-government organizations
0: well when you go back to um, Dr. Pippa at the World Economic Forum last year talking about programmable money um, the ability for the World Economic Forum and other you know stakeholders of the world um, who are not governments, by the way, they're just private institutions saying your ideology is going to be the basis for you keeping your money or not, right? They can change ownership through a tokenization process where they collect all of your data, your real estate transactions, all of your stocks, funds, mutual funds, everything that you own. And under um, blockchain, like tokenization is not a new thing. That's in cryptocurrency. That's like Bitcoin, right? Decentralized. It's safe. It's private. you know. But under a central bank digital currency, it's not because you can change the ownership. So these ESGs are a problem because these places like the World Health Organization or United Nations or Bank for International Settlements or IMF can determine whether the use of your funds fits in with their global agenda or not. And if the ideology is different, well, then they will cut you off from using your money. If you don't believe me, go to Bank for International Settlements Look at Project Icebreaker, which says ideology and of the use of funds is going to determine whether we will allow or disallow a bank wire from bank to bank. So, okay, it's in their own words, right? Well, just this morning, literally, like an hour before we're recording the show, Citibank debuts deposit and trade services on blockchains for institutional clients. First bank to actually force all of their you know companies. To actually go on their blockchain fed now app system right so so what does that mean and they said city debuts new token service in push to bring blockchains to institutions people think oh cool this is cryptocurrency this is safe this is private it's like no it's not when you control the data you control you know the source of funds you know the use of funds and it's not immutable you can actually change the programming of the ownership under that that service. So Citibank is now the first of what you and I have been talking about sounding this warning bell for months now. It's like this is coming. FedNow app is coming. These centralized blockchains are coming, which is the opposite of privacy. And Citi just did it right now for their institutional clients. Not not their individual clients yet, like you and me, but for businesses, yeah. They, they announced it this morning that this is now in effect, right? And so you look at that, you think, holy cow, the, everything we've been talking about is actually coming true. But, but there's also this big insidious thing happening right underneath the surface that nobody's really talking about, right? And, mm-hmm. well, in March, you saw five big banks fail. You know, started with Silicon Valley Bank. And what gets news when a bank fails, right? That's what gets news. What doesn't get news well, just a bank closing a branch, you know, that doesn't really make national news, right? There's just banks closing branches. But you look at what's happened since Silicon Valley Bank. To me, this is the biggest non-story story of the year. Since, since um, March, when Silicon Valley Bank went under, 1,144 bank branches have closed in America, PNC closed 201. US Bank closed 185. Wells Fargo closed 160. By the way, Wells Fargo's laid off about 40,000 people in mm-hmm. the last two years. Um, J.P. Morgan Chase closed 54 branches. So let's say, Josh, that you're sitting at the dinner table with your wife, and you say, "Okay, we've got problems. We might have to file for bankruptcy. We can't make ends meet. Let's start slashing our expenses." You can't really increase your revenue unless you get a second, third, or fourth job, right? To say, Let's, how can we slash our expenses? We, we don't want to file for bankruptcy. We have, to, we have to make ends meet. Now, apply that same scenario to the banking industry. Closing up of bank branches is the precursor to a bank going under. They're trying to slash their expenses. So when you look at 1,144 bank branches closing, over the last six months. To me, that's a huge ominous sign that we're about to see bank failures 2.0 hit the mainstream, and it's gonna be an ugly scenario. All while at the same time, Citibank is now forcing institutional clients to use their cryptocurrency, which is gonna be programmable money, using your ideology to cut you off from buying or selling, you use crisis to bring in what you want. And I see all these puzzle pieces starting to fit together. And it's everything we've talked about for the last six months.
1: It's kind of scary because we've talked about this before, that we predicted that there is going to be more bank collapses this fall. Um, we know that Michael Burry has shorted the market over $1 billion expecting the market to collapse within the next month or so. September is traditionally a very bad month for the market. October is traditionally when we have these crash periods um, throughout history. People should be concerned and, you know, vigilant and concerned, but also be safe and secure. Have a way to diversify your assets. So, Kirk, talk to me about silver.
0: So when you look at all these banks taking away your privacy, you know, through this programmable money and tokenization process? Simple, simple answer is the best way to, to beat the system is to get out of the system, right? It's just like, well, just get out. Well, how can I get out? Silver has been a kind of the de facto currency for forever. You, it's, it's small, it's portable, it has a stable value. You know what it is. It's, you can use it as a unit of exchange, you know, when we, and, and so you could use it for barter. You could use it to trade back and forth with merchants when push comes to shove, when merchants don't want the currency of the land anymore. Well, you better have something that's portable and valuable that you can use, right? So, so in a worst-case scenario where we have to protect our freedoms, getting out of the system, not being digital, not being paper-based, having a tangible asset you can use for barter is great. It protects your freedom. But even as just an investment, you know, this is what we look at first, because all this other stuff is coming, but it's not necessarily here and operating right now or right underneath our nose, even though the table is being set. You look at what has silver done investment-wise over the last few years. Well, in March of 2020, it was $11.91 an ounce. You know, about 11 months ago, maybe 12 months ago now, it was seventeen ninety-seven. Today, it's 23 and a half. Well that's up over a hundred percent in the last three and a half years we're averaging thirty percent year growth. That's an incredible investment. but why is it doing that? It's doing that because of supply chain disruptions, low supply, high manufacturing demand and even using the the globalists you know mantra of clean energy, solar power, EV cars, you know battery power, all of that requires silver. so the demand for silver is up like twenty percent. While supply is diminishing and going away, you know, this is ripe for massive growth. And I would say allocate into silver for growth, allocate into silver for safety.
1: Absolutely. Kirk, I appreciate your time today. We'll talk to you next week. Guys, if you want to get a hold of Dr. Kirk Elliott, getgoldtoday.com. Getgoldtoday.com or give him a call, 720-605-3900. Jim Price will be back with the rest of the show of the Dark Delight Show. I will be back tomorrow. Have a great day. Dark Delight on the
0: WYSL stations.
2: All right. Welcome back to the Dark Delight Show. I'm your host, Jim Price. Thank you guys so much for sticking around here. Yeah, we're talking about the old uh, crash, boom, bang of uh, what we call our economy, which I don't think anybody gets to escape that. I mean, I understand that there's people that have hedged certain things. But here's going to be a thing. Those that have done the practice and put the work in and done the conserv- you know, cons- conservation of their finances, meaning like, remember I talked about this gold and silver and brass to cover your butt? Um, yeah, that's, you know, so you've done those things and things go awry, well, then you're going to be on top of the heap. You're going to find yourself in a better situation than those that sit around with those fiat denim dollars. By the way, all currency is made from denim uh the denim that's they recycle it's actually a, how the cotton is woven and uh it's actually denim dollars denim paper i'm using i'm using broad strokes here so don't go getting somebody on here with the science and like well you know it's not the same i get it but anyway uh those are the, the, the you know they, they counted on those zeros to be there you think that these people when they're trying to kill you they think they you they give a crap to make sure that your money is recovered for your for you i mean are you what makes you so special they're not coming to. They're not going to come save your bank account. They're not going to come looking for you. Now remember when we had Silicon Valley Bank went under? That whole thing that was all about you know Gavin Newsom and his boys, you know, was the Cool Kids Club making sure they got put back straight. And it was magic, just so magic that there happened to be discretionary funds in the pre, in the president's back pocket. Which I'm still kind of amazed by that whole thing. I'm 52, didn't know that the president had a discretionary fund. Yeah, it's nice. Um, so that's a thing. So this is the kind of stuff that we, we have to, we have to learn these things to know how to defeat the enemy. And when the more that we know them, the more that we are prepared for their attacks, or the retaliations and those kind of things, and we know what's going to happen. There was an article that came out. I am going to talk about this This is kind of weird. A Resolution declaring the office of speaker of the House of Representatives to be vacant found in the Capitol bathroom. Uh, this was actually, I don't know, this looks like a shiny object thing or maybe just someone's trying to see the test of the waters or whatever it is they're doing. Uh, Gateway Pundit reported that Representative Matt Gates slammed House Speaker Kevin McCarthy this morning for his eight, eight months of inaction on Joe Biden. The Biden crime family gets further called on McCarthy to sign a subpoena for Hunter Biden's records and, test and, uh, and to testify in front of a, a House Judiciary Committee. Uh, this came exactly one week after Getz threatened to remove Speaker McCarthy from being out of compliance with the agreement he uh, that allowed him to assume his role, not holding the Bidens accountable and advancing Biden's inflationary uh, spending, among other things. New House rules, uh, it, it only takes one member of Congress from either party to bring a motion to vacate. This forces a vote to uh remove the house speaker so this is a thing right so now they're saying that they found uh an an unopened or unwritten or whatever you want to call it just a form letter it's not a it's not actually like filled out or anything like that it's just sitting there and uh just says you know the 18th congressional first session house resolution declare um and it says max gates submitted the following resolution which was referred to the committee on, and then that's still blank. Uh, so uh, to me, this seems a little bit, um, little bit suspect. But you know, what do I know? It does have a timestamp on it of September fifteenth, twenty twenty three, at eleven twenty two a.m. So whoever printed this off did it sometime last week, and it was left in the bathroom. Uh, sounds exactly like. I don't know. It's just kind of weird that this kind of stuff just kind of happens and just kind of pops up, and it's just a thing, and that's okay. But anyway, this is kind of interesting that this came out, and I think that there's more to come. I think there'll be more squabbling between the uh, powers to be because, obviously, they all want to be in power, and this is what they're going to do. So what is this? Uh, Oh, uh, they're saying California could lose five more congressional seats. By 2023, why is Nancy Pelosi gonna? Oh, wait, she's not gonna die, she's gonna keep running. Whatever happened to Feinstein or Feinstein, the the lady that from California that was has her granddaughter as her durable power of attorney and her conservator. By the way, guys, having had gone through late, uh, end of life care for my folks and dealing with all those things, and uh, I, 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 I mean, it was like it's been the last what seven years, eight years of my life. And uh, to say that when you are in charge of someone's faculties, you have taken that over, they're not allowed to make any more legal decisions. And I'm trying to figure out why it is it's okay for Feinstein, Feinstein to walk around, act as if she's still a congressional – well, she's not walking around. She's scooting her boot, scooting around in her wheelchair or whatever she does. Uh, the problem with that is, is that if I remember when I had to step in for my folks when it was determined I, you know, I needed to engage the power of attorney and the conservatorship over my folks, they weren't allowed to make any more decisions. I mean, I did consult them and I did talk to them about things in depth, but I didn't go. Uh, they weren't they weren't out opening up checking accounts or doing things. I followed their directions to. To, to move money or to pay a bill or, you know, schedule a doctor's appointment, those kind of things. And that's what's weird about this Feinstein, Feinstein, Feinstein thing is if her granddaughter is in charge of which is, again, where's her kids at? Or where's, you know, I don't know, maybe the granddaughter is the most responsible person in the family, whatever. But to say that that individual has uh, has the the authority over her life really makes me wonder why it is that she's on the congressional floor, because if that's true then that means the daughter is is voting for her and that's actually what we've seen in the videos and nobody's talked about this is there some type of sacred cow thing that i don't know about where these people just i mean is no one going to hold them accountable for this i this is something i experienced in my in my life in real time know exactly how this all went down and yet i see feinstein's lady Doing her voting for her, I'm seeing her making decisions for her, but yet she's still getting a paycheck. Uh, it's kind of screwy to me, and why it is that they this is they're trying to hang on to this seat so bad, or hang on to this individual so bad. Uh, anyway, new uh, another article came out uh, via House Judiciary Committee. FBI lost count of how many paid informants they had in the Trump crowd on January 6th. Now, um, this is something I've actually said. Uh, a thousand times. If I said it once, I said a thousand. I'm going to keep saying it. I think we should subpoena all overtime requests for the entire government, military, and um, well, what do we call it? The government, like <laughs> anything, everything from military to to uh, the House to the Senate. Anybody who was given overtime request and then it was authorized. I want to know where all those people are and who got paid that day on January 6th, because that would tell me exactly how many really are there, including paid informants. Now, this is a, okay, I don't, did you guys know this? This is a, this is a part of our government. Your, your government has an entire system of paying for snitches, And, uh, you know, there's the old school saying, you know, snitches get stitches, right? Well, there's more to it, but you know the rest of it. The idea that these people, um, your government, has private contractors called confident informants, okay, C-I, or uh, what's, there's another name for them, like that they're a human being. It's kind of weird. They they changed the name on on it again, but it's confident informant. So a confident informant is paid up to... Hundreds of thousands of dollars per year, depending on how effective or how necessary they are, meaning that you know they have inside scoop on these uh, these conservatives who want to kidnap Governor Whitmer. Oh wait, they are all innocent. Did we talk about that last week, guys? I hope we did. By the way, the guys who were being coerced by FBI agents who were sleeping with two of the guys, two female FBI agents were sleeping with two of the male uh quote you know conspirators um to get them to try to to kidnap governor whitmer and when they wouldn't do it they got upset with them and arrested them and i'm not making this up this sounds like i'm making up some screwy stuff but the guys in michigan and don't listen to the mainstream media on this don't get wrapped around the axle don't even listen to fox on this one they have got it so bass backwards it is unbelievable um, the idea that they went in and got upset with him because they wouldn't they wouldn't kidnap uh, Whitmer, They wouldn't even consider it um that, that so then the FBI went ahead and charged him for it anyway. And so then the three guys, the three co-conspirators who were supposedly the ones that were conspiring to go ahead and <laughs> go after Whitmer, uh that whole thing just fell apart because the the jury on all counts found all of the defendants innocent. So there's no, you can't go back, you can't double charge. Oh, wait, no, you can, can't you, uh, Merrick Garland? You you do double charging, you do double jeopardy, don't you? Yeah, they do. Well, anyway, that uh, that was a whole thing last week, but the idea that we have paid informants, we have this many off-the-books cash pay informants, and I say cash, oh, you'd be surprised. What- Dark to light on the WYSL stations. Alright, welcome back to Dark Life Show. I'm your host, Jim Price. Sorry about that. had a bit of a di- technical difficulty. Uh, for some reason, just decided to go ahead and blank out on me there. And so, I'm back with you guys now. I'm going to have to do it over the phone, uh, because that's how we do it here. We just keep on pushing. Uh, but yeah, we have, we have a mountain of actual, literal, like, what do you say? Uh, confident informants are getting paid hundreds of thousands of dollars on black market money that your government pays for. Now, this whole thing with the Hillary Clinton thing, I don't know how, what, what part of that you guys got to hear before I got blanked out there, but the whole Hillary Clinton thing and Bill Clinton, they were, there's, there's testimony, there's, there's all this information out there of how much money they were using, or they were laundering through Arkansas's bond department. They were using a government official, a government department in Arkansas to take and move this money around. Now, if you guys go watch Made in America, that, that movie with Tom Cruise, It's an okay movie. There's some things in there. But in reality, that's exactly the machine that was giving them the hundreds of millions of dollars of profit that they were laundering. By the way, do you remember the whole Ali North thing? The Iran-Contra affair? Do you remember that whole, the Contras? Do you remember that? Well, that's all part of that money. That's where all this comes from. So the money from the Clintons was the money that... You know, Ollie North and Ronald Reagan, that whole thing. Well, Ronald Reagan wasn't a part of it, but Ollie North was. Oliver North was all part of that. And he got caught up in it, so it would deflect away from who? Oh, Uncle Billy and Aunt Hillary. And this is the problem we have, is that these people are out here doing all this stuff, and we know the story, but we don't make the connections. They slice or splice the connections together. They take them apart, put them back together, and you don't really know what the real story is. But if you just go watch the movie Made in America, like, again, I don't don't care whether it's Tom Cruise or whoever, whatever, but that actually tells you exactly how the crime machine was actually ran, how they were actually making money, what they were actually doing in real time. And this is a sad, sad part of this, is that we can't have this open conversation. Why? Because they're in on it. McCarthy is in on it. I, guys, I wish that we had clean Republicans that actually truly had a backbone, that truly had integrity, and was really willing to go out there and do the right thing. But we can't. We can't have that, can we? No, we've gotta we got to have all this, this backdoor dealing. Our government's got to pay all these confident informants to go into January 6th, and they lost control of how many they had, I took pictures of the paid actors on January 6th. I saw them. I was there on the other side. I guess it's called the Supreme Court side where uh, I was on. Like I, I thought that was like the entrance. And I guess it really is the entrance of the Capitol building. But I was on the other side. And I saw all these things going on. And it is so disappointing to me that my government felt it necessary to go in and incite rioting. I thought that was a thing, like there was a law against going in and inciting riot, to incite a riot. I thought that was a, a problem for us. And why is that not a problem for us? Why would we want our government that we pay that's supposed to protect us, then go and create a crime to protect us from? So wait, they are to protect us, but then your government paid people to create a crime to protect you from. Well, that's just that's just job security, I guess, right? So you're going back in. You're going to do job security actions like that, saying, "Oh, look, look what I'm doing. I'm keeping you safe. Oh, look, I'm I'm a great guy. Oh, I'm Mr. Government." But in reality, wow, what a true slap in the face of reality and what we're up against. And I really, I am really ashamed that we have that's that we've normalized that that it's okay that amount of cheating, that amount of lying, that the stupid American people. Do not deserve the truth the stupid american people do not there's we don't need to be honest with them Uh -uh, no no let's lie to them and then if they start to figure it out we'll call them a sex offender we'll call them a drug dealer we'll call them a a, a, an irs uh you know they they didn't pay their taxes uh we'll say that they have you know uh an unpaid parking ticket whatever it is right whatever we can to disparage people if you happen to get too close to the truth, then we go and run you over. It happened to me. It's happened to Russell Brand. It happened to uh, let's see Trump. Uh, let's see Roger Stone. We have uh, General Flynn, uh, Andrew Tate. I mean, over and over and over again. This is how they do it. They come up with why is he out? About- is he not about? Why is he not serving prison sentences? Why isn't, why isn't Ghislaine, Ghislaine Maxwell being exposed? Why, what happened to the madam in California? Remember that madam Heidi, Heidi Fleiss, that was running that, that little black book out of California? Remember that whole thing? Well, that went hush hush real fast, didn't it? Oh, it was salacious for a minute, but it went away really fast. A couple guys got thrown under the bus, but then all the others just kept on rolling on like nothing ever happened. But then what about Adam's shift? I mean, Adam's shift in the Standard Hotel, if you just look that up on the Internet, it will it will make you sick. Adam's shift, Standard Hotel. Look it up. There's news articles from CNN in there. Yeah, no, no, it's they even bothered to write one. It was a small article. They wouldn't get go too far with it. But this is the problem, guys. Is everything I'm describing to you, is your government? Everything I'm telling you about Aunt Hillary and Uncle Bill—that's your government. They use the government. They, what about this? Why is why are they? Why is the Hillary Foundation or the Clinton Foundation suddenly going to be the reconstruction portion of Ukraine? And why are we trying to reconstruct anything if Russia owns it? Then why do we care about rebuilding it? That's Russia, right? I thought we were mad at Russia. We're rushing there with rush Russian there. The Russian um, Russian. Um we're in there with more billions of dollars. Now, guys, you guys don't don't get caught up in the Ukraine war. Again, watch the movie Wag the Dog, and you'll understand exactly how the money machine operates. There's a lot of people to pay off. You got a lot of people to buy off. You gotta pay their bills, you gotta do all this stuff, hush money this, hush money that. But the biggest portion of it always ends up in the big guy's pocket. And the big guy isn't always isn't always Uncle Joe. It happens to be whoever is at the tip of the spear and who puts himself in that position. So when you hear about the, oh, we're going to do infrastructure spending, that's all BS too. Because about 1% of that money ever hits the ground. That's true, guys. About 1% of that money ever really hits the ground. If you actually go back and start following how much money comes out of the federal government and how much of that money is then used as administration, not only the federal government to manage the money that the federal government is giving out, but then the state, the county, and the city all have agents as well that have to have administrators paid with that money to manage the construction jobs that they're going to do with what money's left over. And that's the sad part of this. I remember all my DOD contracting, I watched the money that was at the top end, the administrative part of it. I'm like, you guys get more to watch this job than we get to build it. How does that work? That's uh, just what it takes to get the job done, man. You got to make sure you got, you am know, like, no. Like, no wonder it's so expensive to do anything on a military installation or a federal building or a city building or a county building or a state building. Because they make it that way. Oh, we're trying to watch your money. That's, we're doing it so that the money is, you know, we're, we're really watching our P's and Q's. It's, everything's accountable. Then how do we lose two plus trillion dollars in the Pentagon again? How do we do that? How do we accidentally pay uh, Ukraine more billions than they deserve? How do we misrepresent or misrepresent the value of items that we were giving them? Because they're not paying attention and it's all about money laundering. They don't care about you. They're not They're not doing their due diligence to make sure that they're doing it right and the right people and all that other stuff. They're not doing that. And they show that to you every day. Every day between the January 6th stuff, between all this other stuff, this happens consistently. And I've got to sit here and have this conversation. Why? Because we don't stand up? Because we haven't been the right people we should be? we have to do better we can do we are better than this guys we absolutely are but okay let me do this for you if you said hey um i'd like to have an addition on the back of my house and uh you know here's a hundred thousand dollars okay what would you literally give the guy a hundred thousand dollars and just go on vacation for the year and then come back and hope it's done the way you like it would you would you give them a billion dollars or a trillion dollars or a hundred dollars? Would you go and just like, hey, I want to dish off the back. Here's a hundred thousand dollars, you know, impress me. I mean, that's what we're doing with our government. We're giving them trillions, two trillion dollars of your money, your taxpayer money. The individual income tax was over two trillion dollars just last year. And so in your paychecks, you guys go ahead and you just wildly send them two trillion dollars. And what did they do with it? What did you hold them accountable for? Well, they do that. That's what the that's what the judiciary is for. That's what the administrators for. That's what the... Really? So you're letting the prisoners watch the prisoners? You're letting the prisoners do the prison count at the end of the night? You're letting the lunatics run the asylum? And you think you're going to get the value return on your money? Are you... I mean, seriously? That doesn't... Guys, that doesn't make sense. You guys are better than that. And every single dog catcher dollar needs to be accounted for, just like we need to know why that F-35 crashed in the woods and it took them two days to release the photos of it. Guys, this is ridiculous. This is unbelievable that you guys aren't more upset of this, that you guys really aren't more of a panic to say, this is not the world we're going to live in. We're not going to put up with this crap. We want to be different. And how, hey, by the way, if our small g government, see, remember, we have God given and able rights. God gives us our rights, our God given and able rights that cannot be given or taken away. Those rights, okay? That small g government was really small. What if it was actually just doing national defense and immigration? What if the federal government was doing it? It a country, but this extra we work more hours under more scrutiny and more pressure than any other human race on earth and you guys have to stand up for yourself and say, you know what? We are worth more than this. We are worth more than 300% less than the Great Depression. We are worth more than that because we have the power through God where we gain our strength, guys. Thank you so much for being here on the Dark Light Show. I apologize for technical issues. I appreciate you guys being here. And by the way, uh, you know my great fans out there, the Turners, thank you so much for your letters. I'm going to get back to you very soon. We'll talk to you guys soon. We'll see you guys tomorrow. Bye-bye.